Okay, Daredevil has been preaching on draw close to God and he will draw close to us. He's been calling it encounters, having an encounter with God. And there's a lot of different words in the Bible that describe an encounter with God. You know, uh, one of the words is visit, when God comes and visits with us. See, the thing about prayer is uh, when we pray to God, and we talk to God. And we tell all God all the different things. If we don't ever hear him talk to us, see, it's just a one-sided relationship. And the Lord wants to come and talk to us. He wants to. That's what we call an encounter. When the Lord comes into our life and changes our life with a visit from him. So today I'm going to talk about... You know, Jared and I, we have different giftings. His gift is exhorting, uh, which means comforting. He uses the word of God to comfort people. He preaches in a whole different style than I preach, and I know you know that. My gift is teaching, and so I take the whatever the Lord tells him that the, Lord, the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, then what I do is take the Bible scriptures from that and teach it from the Bible. So today we're going to look at Abraham. His encounter with God. If you want to look it up, it's Genesis 12, chapter 1. Now, you remember Abraham and his family lived in Ur of the Chaldees. And nowhere does it mention that they were godly people of any kind. And Abraham was the first one in his lineage that it ever mentions uh, uh, having a a close relationship with God. uh, uh, Except going back, you know, to all the way back to... uh, um, Enoch, but I'm not sure how many generations it was from Enoch to Abraham, but, uh, and Noah and those, but Abraham was the first in his line to really have an encounter with God. And so in Genesis 12, one, it said, so the Lord said to Abram at that time, his name was Abram. God had not changed his name yet. Go out of your country and go from your kindred and from your father's house into a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you. And I will curse the ones who curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed even as the Lord had spoken to him. So as we begin our study on encounters. uh, See it doesn't say that. Anywhere that Abraham went to God first, God came to Abraham. And you know, it says in the New Testament that we didn't find God. God found us. He makes that first plunge toward us. But if we don't respond to that, then don't know how long it will be before he may make another call. And if we keep rejecting him and keep rejecting him, see... But the first time he came to Abraham and told Abraham what to do, Abraham immediately obeyed. So the first step to having a strong relationship with God is when the Lord comes to you, visits you, you have an encounter with him, is that you, first thing you do is obey. You remember back before COVID shut down when we had several of our prophets here, they came in and they said, The Lord said, say yes. Even before you know, if God comes to you and says, I want you to do something for me, 
you say yes. You don't say, what do you want me to do, Lord? You say, yes, yes. Because when we say yes to God, that opens up. That leads us to our next great blessing and encounter. So the Lord told Abram to leave his kindred and leave his family and to come and follow God. Well, see, did you know that the word church means come apart and gather as a separated group? That's what the word church means. Come apart, separate yourself, and gather with the body of Christ. And so a lot of times when a person gets saved, they really do have to turn to, to quit running around with family if their family is alcoholics, if their family are drug addicts, if their family are abusers, uh, if their families hate God and don't want them going to church. How many of you ever had to experience something like that when you first got saved? That your family did not want you in the church serving God. Or they didn't care if you went in the church and served God, but they just wanted you to keep drinking with them and keep running with them and keep partying with them. And see, you can't do that. That's not being obedient to God. When you come into the family of God, you have to separate yourself. Now, that don't mean you don't still love your family and that you don't still have a relationship with your family, but your relationship changes to one of fellowship, to one of ministry. You, you don't fellowship with your family in that sin you're in, they were all involved in and used to be involved. You begin to be their ministers. And they're not going to like it. <laughs> you know, they don't like it. When you act like you're some big uppity somebody telling them they need to get right. They're going to be mean to you. They're going to call you names. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to laugh at you. But if you will obey God, you will eventually win every one of them to the Lord. Because they will see such a change in you that they're going to know God is real. That's how you prove to your lost family members that God is real is when you don't behave like they behave anymore. And they see such a change in you that at first they'll resent it and they won't want any part of it. But you know what will happen? When their life crashes, who are they going to call? They're not going to call Ghostbusters. (laughs) They're going to call you to pray for them because they know that you have enough power of God in you that you are able to change your lifestyle. So therefore, you have enough God in you to pray for them so that they can get out of the mess that they're in. And so after God told him what to do, then he made him a promise. He said, if you do this, if you leave your family, come out from among them and, and go to a place that I'll show you to go. He said, then I will bless you and I will make your name great. And, you know, we don't care if our name is great in the world, but we want our name to be great with Jesus. We want him to know us. Do you remember when in the New Testament this this guy and his seven sons went to cast a demon out of a man? And that demon said that he tried to cast it out in the name of Jesus that Paul preached. And the demon spoke to him and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And he beat him up, stripped him of his clothes, and ran him out of the house. So, see, we want our name to be great with Jesus. 
We want our name to be great so that when we use the name of Jesus, his full power backs us up. When we command demons to flee, see, Jesus is the one that makes them flee. We don't make them flee. We just proclaim the word of God. And so if we don't, if our name is not great with Jesus and we order the devil around, the devil will laugh in our face. See? So he said, if you obey me, then I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless all of those that bless you and curse the ones who curse you. Now, let me give you a little explanation about that right now. God doesn't actually put curses on people. He protects people. But when people do wrong, he just backs up his protection. And guess who comes in and puts the curse on them? The, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus plainly explained that. He said, I came to give you life. But if you don't want my life, Satan came to give you death, destruction. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything you have. And so if we go around, if people go around cursing us, and that don't necessarily mean using cuss words, just talking bad about us, mistreating us, then they put themselves under the curse. And the Lord will back up, and guess who will carry out that curse? In the 50 years that Jordan and I have pastored, we've seen this happen three times. We've seen somebody come after us with vengeance. And curse us, just talk ugly to us, nasty to us, mistreat us. And within six months, all three of them were dead. And it wasn't us that did it, and it wasn't God that did it. When, when, see, if you obey God, God protects you. He blesses you, and He will back up and uh, uh, let a curse come on your enemies, people who attack you. People who do you wrong. That's why Jesus said, when you're persecuted, leap for joy, for great is your reward. And so, uh, when people mistreat you, you need to immediately start praying for them. Praying for them. That their eyes will be open to truth so they don't come under the curse they put themselves in by mistreating somebody that God is blessing. And so we obey God, and then he gives us this promise that uh, I will bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. Now, later on down in this story, you know, there was a famine in the land. And Abraham took his family into Egypt because there was food there. So the king, uh, uh, the uh, Pharaoh of Egypt, saw Abraham's wife and took her into his harem. And so when he found out... Well, the way that he found out, a curse came on him. His, Pharaoh and all of his family were cursed. And, and the Bible don't say how, but he found out that Sarah was Abraham's wife. And he quickly gave her back to Abraham and sent them out of the country with lots of wealth. Because, see, God had told Abraham, anybody that curses you, I'll curse them. So when, um, so when he stole... Abraham's wife, a curse came on him. So, see, God keeps his word. God is faithful to his word. But, see, Abraham could not have had this promise if he had not obeyed God. 
If he, when the Lord said, come out from among your kindred and your family and go to a place that I will show you. Well, in New Testament, what that means is come out from your life of sin and get into the church. That's where he's put his name. Jesus is the head of the church. And so I want us to stop right here. Uh, and, and Abraham departed. Uh, no, and the next one says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Isn't that a powerful promise? Every single person that has ever been born since Abraham could be in Abraham's blessing if they wanted to. In the book of Galatians, it says, if you are in Christ, that the blessings of Abraham are yours. And so... Everybody doesn't get the blessings of Abraham because everybody doesn't obey God. Lots of people go to church and don't obey God. They continue on in their sins. Did you know that sexual sins is at the top of every list of sin in the New Testament? You cannot commit these and enter the kingdom of heaven. Sexual sins is at the top of every list. That's uh, adultery, fornication, uh, homosexuality. And in this day and time, it's pornography. And so if you call yourself a Christian and you're committing any of those sins, then you don't get to come under the blessings of Abraham. See? Because the blessings of Abraham come when you obey God. So I want us to stop right just for a minute right here. And I want you to think about, is there anything that God has told you to do and you've not obeyed? Now, this isn't the first, this is not the only encounter Abraham had. We're going to go through, he had several, a bunch of encounters. And every time God came to him, the, his promises became greater. The blessing of his promise became greater every time God came back and had another visit or encounter. And so, if the Lord has ever come to you and told you to do something and you haven't done it, you've got to repent. And you got to do that thing. Jordan and I will have people come to us sometimes and they'll say, I just don't hear God talking to me anymore. I used to hear God talking to me. And we'll say, well, what was the last thing the Lord told you to do? And they'll say what the last time they heard God. And we'll say, have you done that? And they say, well, I'm working on it. See, the Lord won't be back to visit you until you obey what he's told you to do the last time. Now, I'm talking to Christians at this minute because when, when Jesus came to you and you asked him to come into your heart and you repented and he came in, that was just your first encounter. Every, every day or so after that, he can come to you again if you're obedient and it will increase your life of blessing. And we, as we go through, we won't do it, have time to do it this morning. But as we go through all the encounters of God had with Abraham, every new encounter brought a greater level of blessing in his life. So let me just ask you this. Has the Lord asked you to do something and you've not obeyed? See, if you have not, if you know the Lord has asked you to do something and you've not obeyed, then you cannot expect another visit from God until you obey. And you can't expect the blessings of God to be on you and on your family until you obey. So why don't we just stop right here and ask the Lord. Father, bring to our remembrance, Lord, if there is something you have told us to do.
and we haven't done it. If there's a person that we need to forgive and we've just not forgiven them. Maybe it's you commanded us to pay tithes in your word and we've refused. We just feel like that we can't afford to obey you. Because you're not big enough to take care of us and keep your promises. Or maybe, Lord, it's something that you've told us to do to use our giftings or our callings. And we've just been absolutely and completely lazy and put our own desires above yours. Jesus said in the garden, I have come to do your will, O God. And we're here to do your will, God. We are not here to please ourselves. So, Father, in this group that's here this morning, if there's anyone here that they know that you've asked them to do something and they have not either had the strength to do it or been willing to do it, Lord, I ask you this morning to visit them again. Have a new encounter with them. Visit them again. And let them know that they must obey to move on into the blessed life that you have for them. Reveal it to them by your Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to hit one more right quick before we go. we got about 15 minutes. Okay, so in verse 4, and so when Abraham left, Lot, his nephew, went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old. So we never get too old to have an encounter with God. We never get too old to draw close to God so he can draw close to us. Draw closer to God and he can draw closer. We're going to see here in a minute when Abraham was 99 years old, God came and visited him and he had an encounter. We never get too old. We can have an encounter with God every day. If we will sit in his presence and wait For him to come and talk to us. We can have an encounter every day. So Abraham was 75 years old. And he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarah his wife. And Lot his brother. It's really Abraham. Uh, It's just habit for me to say Abraham. And all their substance that they had gathered. And all the souls that they had gained. And they went into the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land. Uh, from the place of Shechem unto the oak of Moreh, and the Canaanites were then in the land. So then the Lord appeared to Abraham again. This is his second encounter. And he said, I will give all of this land to your children. So Abraham built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now I want to talk to you just a minute about building an altar. Building an altar in the Old Testament is the symbol of worship. The word altar actually comes from the word death. To have an altar, you've got to have a death. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned and God had to kill an animal, shed the blood to, to cleanse their sins, cover their sins. They couldn't be cleansed and, and give them clothing. And so all the way back since Adam and Eve, all of the descendants of Adam and Eve understood that you had to build an altar and you had to shed blood to meet with God. And so Abraham built this altar and he worshiped God. This is the first recording of him worshiping God. And so, see, God had come to Abraham and Abraham had obeyed what God told him to do. And the Lord had given him these great promises. 
And he obeyed God. So then when he obeyed God and got into this land, God came to him again and gave him even greater promises. All this land that you have walked up and down as far as you can see, I'm going to give this to your children. Now, see, what that is to us in the New Testament is uh, all the promises of God is our promised land. The promises of healing, the promises of prosperity, the promises of living as long a life as we want to live. All of the promises of God are our promised land. And so what the Lord was saying, I mean, all these things are not going to just be yours. They're going to go right into your children. And who doesn't want their children to be blessed and to have all the promises of God? And so when Abraham, when God came to him this time, Abraham had moved to a more closer place with God, a more spiritual level. And he realized he needed to worship God and thank God for all the things God had done for him and all the things that God had, was, had promised him. And see, when we worship God, you know, Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Die daily and follow me. See, John the Baptist said, I must decrease, but Jesus must increase. And that's what worship and going to an altar does. We die to ourselves, and we live for Jesus. Every time we worship more of our flesh should die. Every time we go into a time of worship and we're thanking God and we're worshiping God, then the Holy Spirit should bring to our mind the things that we're doing that are displeasing to God, that separate us from the presence of God. See, sin separates us from the presence of God. And so we're only as close to God as we're willing to let the Holy Spirit kill sin in our life. See, the Bible says if we will allow the Holy Spirit, He'll come in and kill the deeds of our flesh. We don't have to do it. And so, the second stage of maturity is when we worship, we allow the Holy Spirit to kill our flesh, kill our sin. There's so many scriptures in the New Testament that said, lay aside the sin that does so easily beset you. Every one of us know which sin we fall to every day. It might be anger. It might be fear. It might be a critical spirit. It might be a foul mouth. It might be, oh, there's a hundred of them. <laughs> Thousands of them. But we know which one we have a problem with. So when we go to worship, what we're supposed to do is ask the Holy Spirit, kill our sin. Put that thing on that altar and kill it. And thank God for His grace. Grace is the power of God to live a holy life. Holy life is not how you look and what you wear. A holy life is being just like Jesus. Walking the walk of Jesus every day. Loving Him. Being like Him. Pursuing. See, when you pray the Lord's Prayer every day and you say... Father, your kingdom come and your will be done. His will is his desires. The word will is, comes from the word desire. What you desire today. We don't get up in the morning and make our plans. We get up in the morning and we sit before God and we worship. And he makes our plans. 
He makes our plan. If we got to be at work at 8 o'clock, then he will, wants to tell us who we can minister to on that job that day. Who, who we can be an example to, a light to that day. Doing what he put us here on the earth to do. He didn't put us here to go on a job and make money. And go home and watch TV and get up in the next morning and go on a job and make That's not why he put us here. We were everyone created with unique personality and gifts. And we're the only one that can do our job. Nobody else can do it. But if we don't do it, it just won't be done. Somebody else won't do it because nobody else can do it. We are uniquely created to do it. And so as we sit in the presence of God and we ask the Lord, what am I supposed to do for you today? It's not my will, but it's your His pleasure, not our pleasure. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord that this week, every morning when we get up and we worship, that we lay our life on that altar and we ask the Holy Spirit to kill the sin in us. Kill our laziness. Kill our selfishness. Kill our evil desires. Kill our lust for anything other than God. See, in the Bible, the word lust is the same word as desire. It just means a strong leaning toward So when they translated the Bible, if it was a strong leaning toward evil, it's called lust. If it's a strong leaning toward God, it's called desire, zeal. And so let's pray. Father, as we, your children, sit before you every morning, making that altar, help us to lay ourselves on that altar and kill the sin within us. Kill all the wrong desires, all of our lusts. Kill our laziness. Kill our uh, our weaknesses. And cause us to be like you, Jesus. Cause us to love you on a level we have never been able to love you before. And Lord, help everyone here in the morning when they're either laying in their bed praying or getting up and going to their favorite chair and praying, wherever they spend their time with you in the morning, Lord, that it will be an altar unto you, an altar of worship. That they will, with everything in us, we will thank you for who you are and what you've done. And then your Holy Spirit will come in and kill the sin in us so that we can move to our next level of encounter with you. Lord, you said whatever we ask in prayer believing that we would receive. Lord, you said we could call on you and you would show us great and mighty things that we don't know. And so, Father, I ask you this morning, cause everyone here in this service and those watching online to have a greater encounter with you, Lord, that they will move closer to you so you can move closer to them. And Lord, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. You alone are worthy. In Jesus' holy name. Amen.